Do you get paid for playing for England? Good question. This is a very good question. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Fozcast. I'm today joined by my mate Rhino Legs Tom. Say hello. Hello. And Frank, the editor. Hello. Frank has just recently been married. He's had a week off work and the whole place nearly burnt down to a crisp <laughs> and almost ground to a halt without him. But you're back now, mate. We're how back. is how We're is married back. life treating you? Married life is banging. Absolutely love it. Oh, is it now? Yes. Crack it, yeah. It's not true what they say about when you get married then. Banging's well, a good word. Married. I like it. Yeah, you you're both married. I think you missed the joke there. <laughs> anyway. It is currently the international break in football. There are no Premier League fixtures this weekend. It is country versus country all over the world. So we thought we would bring to you today a special podcast dedicated to all of the goings on around the international break. What happens when the players go away? What happens back at the football clubs? All those tiny burning little questions that nobody really knows the answers to unless you're a footballer. We're going to talk about them today and we're going to give you as much as we can the answers to them. Right, lads? Yep. Tom has prepared a load of questions and I don't actually know what any of them are, but it'll be fine. We'll get through it. Let's go, lads. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay, so international break. We we need to know everything about it because me and Frank, we are fans and we've probably got all the nerdy questions that people probably want to know. So before we start off with that, we'll talk about your England career. Okay, so what years were you involved, first and foremost? Okay, I think I first got involved in 2005. My very first taste of international football, I was actually, it was off the the back of my very first season playing professional football. I was on loan at uh, Watford. We had just been promoted. And you got to, called up that year? Yeah, well, I'd just been, I just, we just won promotion through the playoffs against Leeds in the final. So we're in the Premier League the next season. The season has just finished and... I went away on holiday to Dubai for, I think, two weeks or something like that. Anyway, we got out to Dubai and it was roasting. It was like 40 degrees. Honestly, it was stupid. You know the ones where it's so hot, you have to wear flip-flops because you can't put your feet on the sand. On It was miserable. It was way too hot. Anyway, we're two or three days into this trip. And by the way, it was my first time going out to Dubai. The trip cost me seven grand, right? So I remember thinking, geez, this is an expensive holiday. <laughs> this better be Belton. Anyway, seven grand it cost me, right? And we were two or three days in. And um, the day before, Rob Green was playing for, I think it was like England B team back then or something, or the reserve team or whatever. And he did this horrible injury to his groin where he's like ripped the bloody bone off. And oh, he did all sorts to it. A horrible injury. He's out for like four or five months. Anyway, he was the current fourth choice goalkeeper with England. So they needed somebody else to come and join the squad to do training, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I'm two or three days in. I get a voicemail on my phone saying, hi, Ben, this is Michelle, the England secretary. Um... Rob Green's unfortunately gone down for a really bad injury. He's going to be out for a while and we need you to come back basically and join up with the England team. And again, it's that classic thing of you don't know if somebody's taking the mick or not, but the voice sounded very sincere on the thing. So I was pretty sure it was what it was and couple it with the fact that I saw Rob injury. Rob had had a serious injury. So anyway, I was sort of half buzzing to come back anyway because it was too hot. It was roasting. Um, but it was amazing though. One of the first things I could think of, geez, this has cost me seven grand. This holiday. <laughs> yeah. Like, am I going to get the money back? But you don't want to go and ask the secretary like, um, uh, can 
I get my money back for yeah, my thing? Yeah, I'm, I'm up for playing, however. Yeah, but like, would it be any, would it be possible? So anyway, they sorted like, it, didn't they? They England were wicked, mate. They sorted everything. Like the, the next flights were the next day, straight back business class flights landed. There was actually a um, Sky Sports cameraman was waiting for us at the um, at the arrivals part of whatever it was Heathrow or whatever. And he, to be fair, he was sound. Like we got off the plane and we were walking through, and he was like, "Hi Ben, I'm from Sky. Do you mind if I just sort of like I'll stand over here and you just walk towards me and show that you're walking back through?" I was like, "Yeah, sweet, not a problem." Anyway, um, landed, got back met the team up at the the Grove because we used to always be at the Grove Hotel in London. It's actually really near Watford. And um, yeah, they were class. They were absolutely wicked. Sven Goran Eriksson was a manager at the time. Um, I didn't have too many dealings with him. He was he was actually quite a quiet bloke, you know. He was very kind of reserved, kept himself to himself. His coaches did a lot of the, like the training and the tactics and all that kind of stuff. But when it came to match day, that's when he did his bit. But I, I always thought he was quite a nice guy, quite a decent bloke to be fair. And when was your, when was your, when did you finish with England? When I actually retired, I've I, I never fully, fully, properly retired, did I? I think we when just stop getting picked. Um, it was, I think it was after the the Rio World Cup in 2014. Um, Roy Hodgson was the manager, and it kind of it got to that stage where there was there were actually quite a few good young goalkeepers knocking about that I kind of thought they don't really need me anymore. I was always one of the older goalkeepers anyway, so I was always like 32, 33. And they, they, you know, it was kind of this murmurings that they really wanted to focus on youth, not necessarily just with the goalkeepers, but for the whole, for the whole team. So it was kind of inevitable really that they wanted to start picking the younger goalkeepers, but it was fine with me. I won't lie to you. It was absolutely fine with me because I'd had, that many knee injuries in the past that I just wanted to sort of focus on prolonging my actual playing career, my football career, week to week, Saturday to Saturday. And looking back, it was without doubt the best decision so, to do so it as that's well. That's a big thing, isn't it? When people talk about um, international football and, and stopping it to prolong the career, I think a lot of people think it's a cop-out. Jamie Vardy did it, didn't he? Jamie Vardy did it. Um, yeah. He was probably six years ago. Yeah, and yeah. You, honestly, if Jamie Vardy would have carried on playing, he would have scored some serious goals mm. for England. Yeah, he but but I I honestly think he's made the best decision because you look at him now. He's still like what? How old is Jamie Vardy? 33, 34? I think he is fit as a fiddle still, isn't he? He is fit as a fiddle. He, he's out there on a Saturday afternoon and he looks like he's still twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, Runs his socks off still sharp as you like and I guarantee you that is because that when the international break comes along it's a chance for him to properly relax rest 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 his body rest his mind so he's good for the next Saturday when it comes to playing for Leicester Mbappe mentioned yesterday he might step down from international what? yeah Mbappe? yeah yeah. he's just won a World Cup so might as well pie him off yeah but it's on on the back end of his penalty miss he's getting a lot of hate Um, and also he wants to focus on club football. Wow, that is incredible. How old is yeah, Mbappe? 21, 21 22. 21. Wow, wait. Um, That's incre- incredible, right? That, that what, is, what do you think on that? Do you I, think I, honestly, I honestly do not know what to make of that. I hadn't heard that. I hadn't seen the news about that or it's anything not like official. that. I think it's not. It's, it's, not, it's, it's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. rumours and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. It, he hasn't um, said he's going to step down. It's just more like he's mentioned he's happy to step down from the club. I, I guarantee you, well. I guarantee you a, a massive part of that would have been the negative criticism that he received after obviously missing the penalty yeah. and all that kind of, of stuff. Course, yeah. And um, 
not having the best of Euros, I guarantee you a lot of it will be down to that because even at 21 years old, the the weight of expectation and what people wanted him to do, and I'm not saying he didn't deliver, but he didn't have the best of Euros. But that's the way football goes sometimes. You're you're never going to be able to play 10 out of 10 every single week, but he did get an awful lot of criticism. So I feel sorry for the guy, you know. If he wants to sort of take himself out of the equation for a few years, focus on football, focus on playing for PSG or Real Madrid or wherever he's going to go, I can't knock him. I can't blame him, to be perfectly yeah. honest with you, because if he can get his head down and really start to show the world what he's capable of, and then in two, three, four year, years' time said, right, cool, I'm good to go now, yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be- yeah. benefit everybody. I think so. Go, going back to when you, were, when you got the call up and everything, can you talk about your sort of family reactions and how the dynamic worked within your house with your wife and your, you know, your parents and stuff? Tell us about the phone call. To your mom and dad, yeah, yeah, that phone call was pretty cool because um, they're the fir- they're the first person you tell, the first people you tell, and like I say, I'm on holiday, I'm in Dubai, I'm I'm sweating my tits off, and uh, <laughs> you're yeah. always sweating your tits, yeah, off. I'm always sweating my tits <laughs> off anyway, but I was super sweating my tits <laughs> off, and um, yeah, that's a lovely phone call to make. That is like. Um, I, I can imagine as a parent, like you know, what I mean, I've got kids now, and I can imagine yeah. as a parent when your son rings you and says. I've been called up to the England just team. Just start crying. Oh my god, it's <laughs> incredible! It's absolutely it incredible, and it was—it was exactly that, like ringing up my mom and dad, and um, I was, you know, it was put put mom on, put put the uh, put the like speaker, put it on speaker yeah. so everybody can hear, and it's um, yeah, I've been called up to the England team. I'm heading back now, and it's just sort of they're just buzzing, That's like the incredible, pr- yeah. the proud, the pride, and all that kind of stuff is 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 absolutely massive. That is a one of the nicest phone calls you can make but for it's sure. A ripple effect. We've talked about it before, but it is a ripple effect because you just you know you rang me you rang Luke you rang all your mates and stuff like that and it is like it's that pride like of your your mates by association and then wider than that friends of friends and then the local community Lillington where we grew up and then Leamington and it gets around and it's like it does get such around, a good yeah. feeling isn't it yeah it is everyone. I remember when I when I first signed for United the um the, like you say that ripple effect of just coming from Leamington where there's never really been anybody major make it sort of sporting wise or anything like that um yeah the word was out that the there's that kid that lives in Lillington and he's gone to play for Man United that and, rat bag from yeah that Lillington. little rat bag chap hood rat <laughs> literally that little hood rat that used to hang around on the street corners um down the park and all that kind of stuff he's made it he's gone to Manchester United like that's it's the same sort of thing yeah. you know what I mean? it is nice though it's good to see those sort of stories and to see people from sort of whatever background make it and hit the big time and yeah, it's, yeah. it's wicked yeah it is class and and with looking back on your England career now so for the you were we were number two for number three really so do you look back and think I wish I got more caps or I should have got more caps no I don't I, again not at all I really don't I think I've got eight or nine caps I'm not fully sure but um I think one of the one of my biggest achievements in my football career is actually playing in a World Cup because I got to play the third game um against Costa Rica at the Rio World Cup in 2014 I actually got to play the whole game um and that for me was just a massive kind of bucket list thing I, to say that I played in a World Cup was something that was probably beyond my wildest of dreams um but I, no I'll never I'll never look back I don't think I'll look back at any part of my career and, and sort of think oh, I could have done this or should have done this and I'm very much a believer of everything happened for a reason and everything sort of shapes and moulds you and makes you learn in a certain way and I'm always thankful for everything that I've done like say even if like Man United it might not have worked out for me England I might not have really got much game time but I still think you can learn so much from all these things it is I, I've got a di- slightly different theory in, in the fact that you finished with England at what so 2000 and what was the where was Brazil sorry 
Brazil was 2014, but I did take a little bit of a, a few years yeah, off in, you, before you did. that, didn't I, when Capello was manager. But seven years ago, at 31, I think the best years of your career have been from 31 onwards. Yeah, I'd agree. Because from, you're a goalkeeper, yeah. Yeah. and we've talked about it again in the past, but a big part of being a goalkeeper is judgment, yeah. which comes with age. Experience, yeah. Is experience. I totally agree. I totally agree. I think from, I think I'm not, I, I, everyone's different completely and I can only talk for, for myself, but from the age of 30 onwards is when you really start to dial into who you are as a goalkeeper. Like I say, once you realise who you are as a person then you can really dial into what you are as a footballer. And I just, I just mastered my kind of limitations and capabilities really. I made sure that I operated in between those two parameters and I don't think you can go far wrong. I think as long as you're honest with yourself and if you've messed up you know you've messed up and it is again um, I love saying it is what it is but it is it is what it is you all you're never ever gonna just go through life plain sailing you're gonna make mistakes gonna be ups and downs and stuff like that as long as you can own it and go yeah sorry hold your hands up but but move on and not let it affect you boom you've smashed it favourite sorry Frank favourite match for England that you played favourite match for England was Probably my England debut. Actually, it's got to be my England debut against Spain. I actually played some really against some really big countries. I played Spain against Brazil. I played France. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, played some decent games. To be fair, um, but I'd say I'd definitely say my my England debut. It, like I say, it was against Spain. We were playing at Old Trafford. Um, we actually lost the game one nil. Um, I've got this wicked picture at home of. Andres, Andres Iniesta scored the goal. It was a beautiful goal as well. He was about 25 yards out, right? I know the picture. Put it out onto his right... canvas, didn't Yeah, you? put it out onto his right foot, bent it in the top corner. As soon as, his, as soon as it left his foot, right, I'm thinking, shit, this is a goal. Because you know, as a goalie, you know, right? You know when it's going in the back of the net. But I've also got in the back of my mind, it's my England debut... It's on telly, live, yeah? I need to dive for this full blast. I need to give it everything I've got to show people that I'm really trying. So when people say, that's for the cameras, that's a thing. It was... I think when people say that's for the cameras, it means that you're making a camera save. Like you, you you're okay. making them a meal of it. You're making the most. So if it's of it. down someone's throat and they dive and yeah, that's making a meal of it. That's doing it for the yeah, cameras. Okay. This was just so that I could show everybody. I did everything I could <laughs> to try and save that ball. So nobody then could say the goalie hasn't even moved because yeah, I hate yeah, it when yeah. people say that the goalie hasn't even moved. A lot of the time, the goalie hasn't moved because he just knows that he's not going to save it. Yeah, and there's yeah. no point in even trying to dive for it, but. I had in the back of my head this is my England debut you literally go for everything do you know what I mean if he's got an open goal and you're nowhere near it still go for it and at least then nobody can point any fingers or accuse you of anything so this this is a weird question but I think I want to spend just a couple of minutes I love the weird questions talking about it. we like the weird questions king of weird questions he's a weird guy but it's, it's- <laughs> It's not the first time you've said that. So I don't think you're that quirky, weird. mate. Twice I don't mean now. weird. I mean it's, quirky. It's not that weird, actually. Now, now we've bigged it up. <laughs> Levels. I just want to talk about your actual physical caps, like the cap you receive after a game. Do you get it after the game? Do you get it on the day? Do you get it a few days later? Is pick it in a post? A, pick it up and out of a bag on the way out. Do you, the have you ever worn it? Do you wear it? Do you get pissed in it? Like, what do you do with these caps? Because um, if think, I if I had one, mate, I'd be wearing it every well every day. When we go round for a Sunday roast, I'll wear one. He'll wear one, and we just drink a <laughs> bottle of Johnny Blue and eat roast potatoes. 
Yeah, but that's what we did. We bowled around <laughs> naked but with it on and all sorts. Okay, like, that, yeah, that, how, do you, how do you receive them? So, okay, so when you play whatever international game it is, this is how it works for England anyway, and I know that some countries are completely different. Some countries, if it's like a European qualifying game and you might be in the group where there's like, you'll be playing eight games in that group, you might only get one cap and it will be embroidered on the the mm-hmm. peak of it every single game that you played in that qualifying group so oh. you only get the one cap that's tight but yeah obviously it counts You, you if you've played in seven or seven or eight games you've still got seven or eight caps that's but, what, but how you it works but you only cap. get one physical cap wow. but with England you get a cap for every single game right and it's a to be fair they're lovely caps they're proper like real quality mm. material it's like, like sort the of crickety type yeah ones, it's like it? the suede thing it's got this lovely tassel on it and all that kind of stuff the real nice um, sort of embellished England badge yeah um, and then, like I say, on the peak of it, it will be, um, whether it's a qualifier, I would say international qualifier, European qualifier, it will be, and then it will be England versus whoever. And then underneath it, it would say the date. So you'd play the game. So say, for example, I played the game tomorrow. I won't get that cap for probably, it would be six weeks or two months or so. And what they normally do is, if you've got another international break in that next two weeks or two months or whatever, you would probably pick it up when you go next meet up with the England team and the England squad. But if there isn't another international break for maybe five, six months or something, they will just send it to your football club yeah, yeah. and like they'll just send it in a box with or of however many you might have accrued along the time or something like that. Um, so that's how you actually receive them. So I've got mine, my, all my caps are at home. Um, and I just sort of keep them in plastic bags, really, like just to keep them safe and dry. And yeah, yeah. They're, they're in a big box where, like I say, again, I keep it all dry. Are we going to put them dry. in the office? Are but we going yeah, to bring I'll, them into the office? Yeah, I'm going to bring them into the office. Yeah. yeah, I'll bring them all into the office. We'll put them in like a nice little frame or something in the yeah, office. We'll just wear them in we'll just wear <laughs> yeah. around the office. Get, I don't want your sweaty air on it and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Bro. But yeah, they're, they're cool caps, to be fair. They are. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty cool. Real nice. They're like high quality material, though. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, really nice. Because yeah. I don't feel like footballers now, they don't really share like. Instagram posts of yeah, their caps and stuff because I would if I got given yeah, a cap it'd be big time it'd be on Instagram instantly yeah, but first, you know I think you'd probably show off your first one I think yeah. you'd always show off your first one just for the pride of it and how buzzing you are to have actually received a cap because like you say most people don't know how it works how, yeah, do you yeah. actually get a cap like yeah, yeah. why is it called a cap because you receive a cap but yeah I'd show I'd say probably maybe show off your first one um, anything that might be really really sort of like incredible achievement for winning a competition winning a cup or world cup or fair enough but other than that yeah you just sort of add it to the pile really we'll get a photo up of you holding your caps yeah yeah sweet as we'll right now. I'll, I'll, ding. I'll, yeah ding there you go boom right there <laughs> okay right couple of quick fire ones then on England do you get paid for playing for England Good question. This is a very good question. Okay. So, so I'm not giving up my time for nothing. Yeah. So this is how it works. <laughs> all right. This is how it works with regards to when you'll go away with your international team. And every international team is different. Every country does it differently. They will, you know what I mean? Some, some, t- some international countries will pay you literally for every game you play, like a set amount of money. And it could be good money as well. The way England work is you get a match fee for playing the game. It's nothing major. It's maybe, I say nothing major in, in the grand. In- Broader football yeah, terms. in broader football terms, it's nothing major. You might be talking two grand a game or something, yeah. But every single player's match fee has always been signed off to charity. We always give it away to charity, right? Um, what 
you do get is a percentage of the sponsorship, okay? So everybody, every company that sponsors an international team, so let's just talk about England, for example, everybody that is a sponsor of England, whether it's McDonald's or like Carlsberg, Heineken, Mm -hmm. no matter what it is, yeah, it doesn't matter. All of that gets put into a big pot. The players will then receive a certain percent. And I don't know the exact amount. I can't be sure. I'll throw something out there like maybe it's 20% or something. I'm not sure, yeah? The players will then get a pro rata percentage, okay. 20% or something, of that amount. And it will it will go... And that's that's basically how much the players will receive from, from uh, I don't playing think, for England. I don't think you knew that when you kind of first started. Because I remember coming up to Manchester and um, I remember we'd been out somewhere, probably a game or something, came back to your house and you'd had some post and you opened it and was like, ah, oh, it's, it's a check. It's a check from England team in relation to, it was a Marks and Spencer shoot you did. Yeah. And it was like a decent check. Yeah. And you were like, oh, that's a bonus. And, and you were almost a bit surprised. There's all, there's other things that you can do as well where, so if, you, if you're if you selected to go, and so you might not be with the England, England team or on international duty or anything, like it could be just like a Saturday in between Premier League games. But if the England media team need you to do something for them, like turn up to an event, turn up to like a school dressed in your England tracksuit and you're, you're doing it for the England team, that is an individual sponsorship where you will get paid individually for that. And again, it's it's decent money. Like I'm, I, I can't give you an exact figure, but it would be a decent whack of money. Yeah. It'd be, you know what I mean? It's it's a paid gig anyway. So that's another way that you can get paid for for being with the England squad. So going back to the original like England payment, do you have to like sign that off yourself? Does someone go up to you and say, and says, do you want to give your part to to charity, or do they just say the match going fees? To charity? Yeah, yeah the, the match fee. fees. Yeah, that's so um, they, won't, they don't ask you personally. Do you no, want it's um, it's just kind of, it's a it's basically an unwritten rule. If you're Obviously, in the England team, you're not struggling, are you? Probably. No, for sure. Yeah. So it's 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 an unwritten rule. You you obviously have to sign a waiver to say that you you're happy with it going yeah, to charity. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I wonder, it's, I wonder if anyone's ever gone do you know what I want that money mate no chance you would not even dare like it's of not course. a thing it is definitely not a thing no, oh, I don't just, know there's a couple right? nah <laughs> come on no chance no footballer is that tight not even Craig Dawson <laughs> Is it tight as money? He gets pouters on this podcast. No, he knows I love him though. He knows it comes from a good place. And even though I give him pouters, he knows that I've still got a special place reserved for him in my heart because I do love the guy. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? And then we'll just round off your kind of England time. Um, So you talked earlier on about you had an exodus in the middle. Is that the right word? Hiatus? Hiatus. Hiatus. Exodus. Exodus definitely isn't the word. Exodus, yeah. Exodus Uh, where like everybody leaves. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Hiatus. Yeah. In the middle. So you retire. Sabbatical. Sabbatical. Okay. Are we there on sabbatical? Yeah, sabbatical. Agreed yeah. on sabbatical. Yeah, for sure. So you had a sabbatical. A short break. <laughs> you, had a, you had a short break when you were with England and you got nailed in the press for it because they didn't know the story. Now, without going into it, because we've talked about this in the past, you got promised um, second half in a match by Capello. Your son was born. They rushed you back. You didn't play. You retired because it was out of order. Yeah, I didn't retire. Like I say, it was a sabbatical where I basically I'd I'd lost faith and lost my um, what's the word trust really respect for the manager. And like I say, my my kids were babies. You know what I mean? Louis had just been born. Olivia was less than a year old. And 
every time the international break came along, it was a chance, a really good chance as well to sort of rest your body, but spend some real quality, quality missed, time with the kids. You missed birth. You missed quite a lot of milestones, didn't you, with the kids? Yeah, because well, of the way yeah, their birthdays. Well, not fall. only that, the way their birthdays fit, um, fall is is middle of September. Like ones at the beginning, ones in the middle of September, and there's always an international break. So I would always be away for my daughter's birthday, for example. And it's a bugger. Do you know what I mean? Especially when your kids are small, they want their dad there. And that for me was not that wasn't one of the only things, but couple it with all the other things it kind of made it a very, very easy decision. And like I said, I wasn't number one choice at the time. Joe Hart was playing and he was incredible. Yeah, and he was great. Like he was, it was, it was that time where Joe Hart was just like, wow. Like I, I, I even used, I remember I used to just turn up to England training and watch him training. And I used to think, well, there's no point in me being here because this guy is a joke. <laughs> like he was a joke. He's like, I always like say he's a bit like Tigger, like uh, Winnie the Pooh, where he's just, Mate, it's like, oh energy my to God, burn. energy to burn, like anything. Like, do you want to do this, Joe? Yep. Yeah. I haven't told you what we're doing, Joe. Don't care. You <laughs> yeah. wanted to do it. I want to do it. Let's do something. Yeah. Love like that. just pure energy all the time. And I used to think, wow, mate, what a guy, what a wicked guy. Um, so no, that was, that was, it was like a no brainer for me. So I thought, go on a little bit of a sabbatical kind of thing. If the England manager changes, it's something that I could consider if they would be willing to have me back. I think everybody behind the scenes knew the score. You know what I mean? I, I know. I, I know. I kind of. It's not like I retire fully from England because all the other people know. Like the, like I say, the secretary, the other people in the hierarchy at England. Yeah, they know kind of what's went on. You did on. get nailed in the press. Yeah, though. for sure. And it's the way it goes. That's what comes with with playing for England and doing something like that. It's is part. But there of is some more important things, you know, like your, for me, your there son is. And yeah, and some people aren't built like that, and three some people lines on a chest. Exactly. Some people die hard about some it. Some people are die hard. And fair play to them, you know, each every everybody to their own. But um, no, for me, I there was more important things, and uh, no, I, I, again, I totally stand by every single decision I've made regarding that kind of thing. Incredible. And what was the Capello camp like? I you hear it wasn't a happy place. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a particularly happy place. He was very. He was very strict. He was a very strict manager. Um, there was like there, there's a few stories I've got, but one there was one in particular, right? So. David Beckham was in the England team at this time, right? And we were playing at Wembley. I can't remember the game, but we were playing at Wembley and it was like the bit before you go out for the warm-up. So you normally get into the into the change rooms about an hour and a half before kickoff, right? You normally go out for the warm-up about 45 minutes before kickoff. So you have another 45 minutes before that where you're kind of just putting your kit on, you're getting changed, you might go and get a rub, you'll be doing a bit of stretching, that kind of stuff. And in the Wembley changing rooms, there's just space everywhere. Like there's just space to burn. And Bex was in there doing like, I don't know, he was playing two touch. I can't even remember who he was playing with. It was somebody like, I don't know, say Rio Ferdinand, for example. He was doing two touch, right? He was doing this this two touch and keeping it up and blah, de, blah. And Capello has just bowled in, right? And he's all, he always just used to be in a bit of a, he always just used to have a bit of a cob on, basically, like a bit of a, a moody face kind of thing. So he came over and he walked straight in between these two players and just grabbed the ball and just walked off with it as if to say, this is the changing rooms. Stop dicking about. And everybody just sort of watched it and was like, that's David Beckham. <laughs> He's just nicked the ball off David Beckham. Like, it was incredible. Everybody just sort of... But I understand, like, being strict and that, yeah. But that makes everybody sort of look at it and go, oh, what a dickhead. Like, why'd you bother doing that? Do you but know it's those I mean? moments when you are kicking a football around a changing room is when you build bonds, right? 
bonds and but you relax as well you're you're about to go and play an international match knowing that there's half a billion people probably watching on telly that yeah. night you want to just relax and do yeah. whatever comes natural and he just went and did this and he just thought oh my god what are you doing like there's no need for that but like there was loads of other things as well so like when you're around the hotel and stuff like that exact food let's just talk about food For so he, he wouldn't even like condiments weren't a thing like it wasn't a thing like you, you must have been dying oh, I was fuming it was <laughs> well, fuming like ketchup no chance mayonnaise no chance butter no chance like sauces weren't a thing like you weren't allowed salt? sauces were you allowed salt I think just about like not much honestly like he would be he would sort of be watching players as well he would be watching players like what you're having and all that kind of stuff like sauces weren't even really a thing so like pasta a lot of the time lads used to just have to put a little bit of like a sprinkle of parmesan cheese because you weren't allowed a lot and like a bit of olive oil on it or on something on plain pasta on plain pasta because it, you, like there just weren't no sauces for anything um, yeah he was a bit he was a bit sort of draconian really a bit too strict like at the time like Joe Hart he was the goalkeeper and like he had this massive problem with Joe Hart there. He, he used to say that his, his bum was too big. He always, what? like it was mad. What? Like Joe Hart, if ever you see Joe Hart, he's shredded, like yeah. he's ripped, right? Yeah. Him on his and he always stuff. used to come up behind and he didn't even call him his right name. He used to call him John. <laughs> he used to call him John. <laughs> no, he did He did, not. I swear on my life. You asked Joe. Like, he used John to, Joe, Joe would always just like, he'd go, John. And he would look at his ass and he would do this thing with his hands as if to say, your ass is too big like and then he'd walk Fuck. off and he would go my name's Joe <laughs> like having a laugh he'd be like yeah but my name's Joe and we would just start pissing ourselves laughing like me him and Fraser and it would be like oh my god like and he would always just like yeah he was he was so weird like but hey each to their own you know he's he's an experienced manager he's, he've done a lot in the game won a lot in the game so who am I well, to well you've just mugged him it? off for 10 minutes so don't try I'm not having it. mugged him off it's just <laughs> I, I think there's a there's a time and a place for certain yeah. things but for me personally I didn't enjoy those, time, so, those so times so with places. England managers and looking at previous England managers in the past a, a view would be my view would be you look at it and say these guys are with their with their club club teams and they're tr- training every day tactically aware when you come into the England setup, obviously there's got to be, you know, playing in a different system and set up a certain way and have their own team tactics. But I would look at it and my argument would be that the, in the recent years, I'm going like from 90 onwards, for example, the most successful managers we've had have been the ones that have that have brought the team together. For, so you look at Bobby Robson, Venables, Southgate, and... I think it's a massive shame that Harry Redknapp never got the gig in those years when Steve McLaren was in, Capello was in, because surely a character like yeah. Harry, Harry Redknapp and Allardyce, which obviously didn't quite work out, surely that would be the ingredient, just bringing people together and team morale and feeling good. Yeah. I totally agree. I think um, I think international football nowadays, or probably even back then, should have been just basically an extension of your playing for your football club playing for whoever you play for whether it's Chelsea, Man U, Leicester whatever it is it should just be an extension of that it shouldn't be a massive change so like I say these lads they like professional footballers know how to run their bodies they know they know what to eat they know when to work hard and not work hard they know if they're they're lacking in a bit of fitness and stuff so most of the time they'll do it themselves anyway so when you go away into national duty and all of a sudden they say you're not allowed any ketchup you're not for allowed any butter the, for, I mean? for, for one week it's not going to make any difference do you know what I mean it's, it's just going to upset people it's just it? going to upset people and put their nose out in a in a time where you really want to just bring them together and I think that's the beauty with what Gareth Southgate has done right now where 
it seems to me that everybody, I, I, I could imagine that everybody will just sit next to anybody. Like, it's not a thing anymore. There's no real clicks. Um, people just get on with everybody. And you can see it, can't you? The way they do, like, they're, they're really good at embracing the media, together. digital media, social media. I, I love media. it. I'm really a big advocate for it. I it, love seeing yeah. it on It's got online. me back into the England And it's thing. genuine as well. It's not, this isn't like a little, like a thing they're trying to show to show they're a team. This is, the, the, you know, the players are sharing personal stories. Yeah. And, you know, see Saka jumping in the pool with Grealish under his arm. And it's great, isn't it? That's yeah. what you want to see. It is. But we, like, it's only because we've been given that access now. Whereas before, there was always that standoff. There was like, it's so like... Can you talk about when you were... Yeah, when I was there. there, there. Was, like, what was say, it like? Was, the, there, was there a divide? The, there were, yeah, there were clicks, obviously, because you had, you had the big big teams like you had the Liverpool team you had the um, the Man United team and then you had the Chelsea yeah, team yeah, yeah. and they were the three big and the Arsenal to an extent but <laughs> you had the you had the big ones where there were the majority of players were from these teams yeah but players from them teams would just sit amongst themselves because and it's hard to tell them not to do that because they spend all day with them do you know what I mean they're with them day to day life they're, they're friends they're probably their best friends so they're going to sit with them at dinner they're going to sit with them at lunch if you Danny Danny Rose and Clev's got called up you'd probably sit and have dinner together exactly you? you probably would because you've got something to talk about you know each other you know what I mean You that that's just how it is but that was I think that was almost a little bit of a problem really back but then but was there any like animosity was no there, there was any- definitely definitely no it was definitely not a spoken animosity anyway yeah, yeah. It, you, it was a visual click forming okay, yeah, yeah. where like you would have a, a group of five or six Chelsea players sitting there and then you would have like a couple mingling kind of like I don't know Arsenal or Leicester players in between and then you would have a five or six Man United players and then a couple more yeah. sprinkled in the middle and then you'd have the Chelsea whatever um, it was definitely not spoken about but you could see it was there it was what it was and I don't think it really I don't. I honestly don't think it really manifested it into anything on the pitch either I just think we just didn't perform with the players that we had because if you look at especially the the, the pomp days of like Steven Gerrard and Scolzi Lampard yeah Rio Ferdinand Ashley Cole Jesus. bloody wow what a team ridiculous. a ridiculous team like Rio Ferdinand exactly we should have done more we definitely should have done more I, I, it's hard to say it really is hard to say but I think that then was when um, because we didn't allow that media sort of they would have seen it as a media intrusion back then. They really would have done. Like, let us just play our football and get on with it and then we'll go out on the pitch and do it. Whereas now it's, let's get everybody in there, all the cameras, all the media team, let's do interviews, everybody embrace it, everybody try and get on and then we can all try and be on the same page. Whereas back then, it was a bit of a Mexican standoff where if we didn't perform on the pitch, we knew for a fact we would get slated. We yeah. would get absolutely mullered. And it's exactly how it went. Yeah, it's exactly how it went. So if we lost the game back then, it was the end of the world. It oh, was. was like a massive like Spanish Inquisition. Oh, every time, every time. Do you remember, um, hated, you? do you remember, do you remember um, Paul Robinson when we played away at Macedonia and Gary Neville passed him the ball back? It bobbled over his foot and went in the goal. And yeah. I think we ended up losing the game or drawing the game or I think we might have even lost. It was a really horrible place to go anyway. We lost the game and afterwards, my gosh, we got absolutely pumped. Like the media killed us. It's like, it's just the, the classic 
these overpaid prima donnas going out to Macedonia. They couldn't handle the hostile atmosphere and they just melted under the pressure, all this kind of stuff. Paul Robinson, there was like literally a picture of Paul Robinson's face on the front of like the paper, like taking the mick out of him, like being horrible kind of thing. And I remember meeting up with the England squad a few few like months later or whatever and it it had properly affected Robbo. It yeah. had properly got in his head. Like he was like... <clears throat> If, if I like my face was on the front of national newspapers do you know what I mean it should be just on the back that yeah. should be what the talking point is like fair enough like discussing the game or critiquing the game or something but they were just taking the piss out of him that's what they that's all they wanted to do and it was like it's like they were sitting there like as soon as something bad happened rubbing their hands like oh my well, god I about, cannot wait to stick the knife in it what here. about McLaren when we didn't qualify against Croatia yeah. Scott Carson had a bit of a stinker, didn't he? And it was Wally with the brolly. Wally with the just brolly, yeah. Love, yeah. They love ridiculing people. Loved don't they? it, yeah. It's like Steve McLaren, I mean, I'm not in the game, but anyone you speak to, well, what was he like as a coach? Yeah, great. This is what really you hear. Good. Yeah, he was really good. Really, really good. Good guy, really good guy. I really liked him. He actually gave him my England debut, actually, Steve did McLaren he? did. Um, but just as a bloke, like, he was just a really good bloke, really yeah. nice bloke. Would speak to you properly, would explain stuff, respectful, all that, everything that you would want from a manager, really. But again, because he didn't really have that much of a weighty manager's name, that he, he was he was an easy target. Yeah. He was an easy target. And they used to just get the daggers out every single so, game. Even if we would win games and it wasn't so convincing, they would still get the daggers out. So what about, are there any managers you would have liked to have seen been given the England job over the years that haven't? I'm with you on the Harry Redknapp one a minute ago. I think that would have been wicked. I think um, when, you're, when you're away with England, you don't necessarily need the best coach. You don't because they're all top players. They know how to play. Mm. And if you, if you sit them down and say, this is the system we're going to play, I think most of the lads will know their jobs and know their roles anyway, but you need somebody to bring people together, which yeah. which is why I honestly think Gareth Southgate is an incredible England manager because he, regardless of what you think of him as a manager, his experience, what he might have, what he might not have, you can see that the lads really like him. They love him to bits and they'll, they'll run through walls for him because he's such a th- good, personable guy. I feel like Southgate's gone one step further though and brought like the fans with him as well. Totally yeah. agree. He's likeable he's done podcasts and stuff that I listen to he not speaks so well he speaks so well <laughs> I know let's get him on let's get a gadget let's on get the, him uh, on the podcast gadget. is that Come what on, they gadget. call him I ain't got a clue <laughs> Yeah, 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 but I agree with you, mate. I think I totally agree with that. He, um, I think it's fantastic. He has. Yeah. He's made everybody an England fan again. He's got he? us to a final. He's got us to you a know? final. Mate, the Euro. I went to the Euro final, and honestly, even though we've lost, it was just, it was incredible, mate. Yeah. It was, it was wicked. Yeah, like, I remember I, that I, summer. It makes you. It made me feel like I was like 11, 12 again. Where you were? Would you remember when you used to be like a mad England fan? And on, but, but when it was on telly, it was like the best thing ever. I couldn't uh, believe it. And we we went to the semis. We went to the semis, Italy, Spain, didn't yeah. we? I was really surprised by your reaction when we were in Wembley and it was buzzing. The atmosphere in Italy, Spain was incredible, wasn't yeah. it? It was like a carnival uh, inside the stadium. And I was like like looking at you and you were like really taken back by it. You like really enjoyed the occasion. And I said to you, when was the last time you went to a football match as a fan? And you went 20 years ago? Yeah. Never, I've never, I've, I don't think I've been to an England match as I had a fan. A pint, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> like it was incredible. Like it's, it's so I can understand. It's not why, that, it's not that bad that side of the fence, is it? Yeah, I so can understand. Right. I can understand why people live for the weekend and yeah. go to, on an away game and like traveling up and down the country and stuff like that. What a wicked laugh! It's if you're with a bunch yeah. of mates and you know you're having a good time, you have got somebody who can drive, you can have a few pints. It's mate, my favorite. It's my favorite thing it's to do. Well, I'm going to do it after football for football sure. Football with the boys. Yeah, is it's belting, a isn't it? Cracking well, we, weekend. We've talked about it, like. 
like when you do eventually hang up the uh, the gloves in ten years, is we've said about doing like um, international vlogs, match day, away days at like yeah. you know like what Copper ninety do. And, yeah. You know, go. Do you know what we're going to go to the El Clasico derby? We're going to go to I don't know like River Plate and Boca or something like that. When's the When's the Qatar World Cup next? Next, no, next winter. Next, next, next winter. winter. Next, next winter. winter. If the I'm not retired, if I'm not retired, let's do that, lads. The yeah. finals Should on the twenty third of yeah. December. Is it? Yeah. Is it? The final, 23rd well, of December. Watch out and go on. strangers up. So what do you reckon we should go? A little uh, away days? That'd be class, wouldn't it? Out there. I mean, oh, that'd be beautiful. Be warm as well, wouldn't I it? I can wear my shorts and flip-flops all day. You'd wear it anyway. If <laughs> it was Russia, you'd wear your shorts and flip-flops. Yes. I love it, lads. I love it. <laughs> okay, so on the Qatar World Cup then. So if we're going, if you're not playing, so here's a scenario for you. If you're, I'm not playing in the World wait Cup. Wait a second. I would say it's a safe here's, bet. Here's the scenario. <laughs> Rambo. Pope, Pickford, they all get injured. A few more get injured. You get the call from Southgate. Imagine Cycling GK versus our mate, King of Kong, in the World Cup. How mental would that be? Yeah, that sounds a little bit too over the top, to be honest. Yeah, that sounds a little bit far-fetched. I can't see that happening. Would, would you, if you got a call up now, would you go? Uh, yeah, I probably would actually. It'd yeah. be a good laugh, wouldn't it? It'd be yeah. a good laugh. I think. Um, I'd the chance you want match day vlogs? <laughs> no, I would. I'd enjoy it so much more. Like, say, when when you get older, you just learn to um, just enjoy it all and just sort of embrace it and have a nice time. And I think I've got much better people skills than what I used to have. So I know for a fact I'd go yeah, away. You and were just a like, right awkward little rat. Yeah, I was. Like, it's the way that it goes, though. So I, I know for a fact I'd have a wicked time. Like, and some of these lads, they're like funny kids, aren't they? So it'd yeah, be, yeah, it'd be yeah, that's true. And then like international goalkeeping. So when you look at, so talking about international goalkeeping, what is it like to be a British goalkeeper? So you come up through the British system and play versus the um, Italian Spanish goalkeepers. Is it a very different playing style as a goalkeeper? A little bit. A little bit, not a million miles away. I think. What um, are the differences? I think in this country, they've got a massive emphasis now on basically one of the first things they want you to be able to do is be good with your, the football at your feet. They want, they need you to be good with the ball at your feet and playing out from the back, honestly, it's a given now. It's incredible. I, I, I know that you could have two goalkeepers side by side and one could be miles ahead when it comes to diving around and catching and stopping the ball going in the back of the net. The other goalkeeper could be decent at that, but if he's the better one with his feet, he's the one that would get looked at really? more. He's the one that would be the preference because they need it's weird I don't I disagree with it personally I think I think the, the the biggest skill of being a goalkeeper is just knowing how to keep the ball out of the back of the net and there's there's a million ways to do it and I don't care how you do it if you've got enough nous about you and enough ability to just be able to keep the ball out of the back of the net I think that is the biggest part of being a goalkeeper but like I say nowadays the the the, the way that academies are they want their goalkeepers. It's not not like they want. It's essential that you are good at playing the ball out from the back as well. So, who would be your? Um, you're the manager. Who's your number one in this country? Yeah, for England, I would what, still what currently now. Is yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Sorry, I would but... still. <clears throat> I think if you asked me this last year, I might have said Nick Pope because I love Nick Pope and I think he's incredible. Like mm. the guy is just a giant. He does everything I want a goalkeeper to do. He'll come out, take crosses, kicks it long, stops the ball going in the back of the net, which is massive, right? Um, but if you ask me now who I think the England goalkeeper should be, I would say Jordan Pickford, for sure. Because the guy, when he goes away with England, is just on another level. I can't explain he's it. He's a big game th- player, isn't he? He's it? a big game player, and I think it just suits him down to the ground. I think the England team suits him better than 
any other team. I really do. Unless he's in, unless he's playing for one of the big boys. I think if he could, he, like Jordan Pickford's the kind of guy that could play for someone like Man City or Bayern Munich or, do you know what I mean? Somebody like that yeah. where they want him to just get the ball down, <laughs> spray it out from the back and sweep up behind all that kind of stuff. He's that sort of goalkeeper. But I think I think the thing I like about Pickford is his past the football skills that he clearly has. He's, his passion for the game is insane like yeah. he is shouting at everyone he means like every minute of the game like he's had to work he's on so that he's so animated though. as well but he has had to work on that because that was kind of almost bubbling over a little bit at one point and I think you spoke above before about him just channeling that a little bit more yeah I think that's I totally agree I think he's just learned to like you say just rein it in a little bit just rein it in a little bit don't get so emotionally invested Joe was very hyped up wasn't yeah he? exactly the same thing I think you can't I don't think you can get that emotionally invested in what has just happened because then you start letting your mind wander you let your emotions take over and then you're not doing what you know you should be doing like you need to you need to be staying steady and calm all the way through like the good the bad the indifferent you just stay on that same trajectory and you'll be sweet and I think he's yeah. learned to do that just sort of tempered it a little bit so with the sorry Frank go on Aaron Ramsdale coming up the ranks uh, signed for uh, Arsenal doing really well they're actually getting points now um, will he be number one for England one day yeah for sure he's got um, he's got a chance you got to remember Jordan Pitford's still fairly young in terms yeah. of a goalkeeper I think how old is he uh, he's got to be late 20s but he's still he's still probably got five or six years and of Ram- Rambo is what 21 22? 22 yeah so but but Aaron Ramsdale's a proper goalie like, I, really like I, him. I, I love him to bits I think he's wicked he like, left Bournemouth man no no yeah sorry man but he's he's, he's, he's 27 a, Jordan, tw- Jordan yeah. yeah say he's it's like Jordan Pitford's still got another six, five, six, seven years probably of playing top level yeah, for yeah. football um, Aaron Ramsdale though like I say is a proper goalie he does everything I want a goalie yeah. to do again he's, he's almost a bit like Nick Pope really where he'll stop the ball going in the back of the net he'll come for crosses he's agile as you like you've seen it and he's only been playing for what four or five games for Arsenal yeah. and he's already started to show glimpses of what he yeah. can do and I'm buzzing for him as well because he's not only a wicked goalie but what a wicked bloke as well I think one thing about goalkeepers is most goalies are top men they are they're top blokes they're just calm casual I'm not being a dickhead they are they're, they're down to earth they get it they've they're got handsome good, they've got good people skills um, they're, they're like mo- a lot of the time they're like the glue in the dressing room always up for a laugh always up for a night out having a few beers well, I've, I've got one for you Dan this might be like a logistical nightmare but can you try and get yourself and three other goalkeepers all around this table and just have a chat all oh, things goalkeeping goalkeeping union podcast yeah. goalie chat would be good just wouldn't it four yeah. keepers yeah are like you Rambo oh it would be gold lads it would go we could all bring our own goalie gloves in yeah we could all be like looking at them smelling <laughs> yeah, yeah. them sniffing but them I think, I think, a technical episode that, that way, won't but, it? but I think that's a great conversation to, to yeah. have well look at actually when you said earlier on about um, not too many notable players from the area disagree um, there are some other different sports but actually Warwickshire slightly broader area from where we're actually from a lot of goalkeepers weren't they so we Dean, Dean Kylie was Warwick yeah for sure so yeah. he was uh, Republic of Ireland Republic of Charlton Ireland yeah. for many years yeah. Tim Flowers yeah Tim Flowers Blackburn, Blackburn England. England yeah Kenilworth yeah Kenilworth literally down the road from us these two towns are like three miles apart from each other yeah yeah, yeah. and then we've had Chris Kirkland up the road five miles up the road yeah. Coventry Cov actually yeah I take it back I apologise <laughs> <laughs> this is a, it's basically a hotbed for for, 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 for goalkeepers, goalkeepers. Yeah. 
Yeah, it must be something in the water. Um, yeah, there is. I, yeah, I, I, like I say, I'll take it back. I, uh, I don't know where to go from here. Yeah, that. Sorry. But, yeah. no, I wasn't, nice one, Tom. I wasn't trying to dig you out. Totally I was stitch to... him up. Yeah, yeah. But I was saying about the Goalkeeper Union podcast, we could like, maybe do a local one or something. Yeah, like goal, do you know what? Goalies are wicked because if you sit if you sit a bunch of goalies, right, in front of a telly and say, right, watch these goals going in. And so you showed the one goal, right? I guarantee you we could all sit there and you could talk about every tiny little thing that has happened even if the goalie can't save it and it's impossible to save you can always give him the best chance of making the save by saying this is what you could do or can do let's do that let's get four keepers me and Tom would dig up 10 goals and we just go through them one by one and yeah. you guys chat Go, goal, goalie I would love I would love to goalie see that. chat is wicked honestly because you can really kind of if you can if you're able to sort of like slow it down and freeze frame and like frame by frame of yeah, everything yeah. that that goalkeeper has done for that goal going in there's guaranteed things that you can change you might you're still not going to save the ball but it will give you a better chance of saving so it it's get, incredible honestly I love it if we get three or four goalies then we get Genev or uh, Gaznev just with his fancy <laughs> computer doing his uh, all his um... no do you know what it would be Genev would be saying he should save that and then the beauty of what we could do though is say the reason why he didn't save it he might be right we could still say yeah sure he still should have probably saved it but this is the reason why he didn't okay. because That's it's never just as yeah. simple as he should have saved it there has to be a reason why he didn't yeah. save it whether it's poor technique or the ball moves or, or, shit. or anything it doesn't matter what it is there would be a reason why he didn't make that yeah. save Okay, that's interesting. And th- and then and then when you talked about British players, uh, British goalkeepers now um, being preferred from like playing at the back, uh, playing from the back. Sorry, rewind a few years, and I remember at the time, I think it was like fourteen or something. Do you remember when England did this um, new DNA, and it was this kind of England DNA, and uh, it was like a blueprint. And this blueprint. was like five, six, seven years ago. Fast forward to where we are now. And it's it no coincidence, is it? It seems like it's doing a bit of a job, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, so St George's Park. Yeah, like, sure. This is, this is where that DNA is. is yeah, I understand. Based. I know what you're saying. I think there's still, you know, you still have to unearth these gems. These players have to do, have to come through. Yeah, but um, are they not unearthed because they've been coached a different way? So, yeah, so look, yeah. at, it, I can't see that it's a coincidence now that we've got all of these technical forwards that have all come through within a year of each other. Yeah, true. Um, sometimes you do get waves like that. You look at the man, classic Man United team Spanish of, of players. Yeah, the, you, you know, you look at the Man United youth team squad that yeah. came through. Sometimes you just get that happen. It's, it, But I will agree that they do seem to be of a different ilk to what they used to be. I still think there's an element of... Um, of you can't coach it to within an inch of its life. You still have to have a little bit of a nouse about Nature it. And nurture, Nature and yeah. No, no, I just mean, and I think sometimes oh, okay. you can overcoach and you can say at this moment in time, do this. And it has to be black and white as that. I think you still need to have a bit of nouse about you where you can just go, right, once you get into that area, then you just do what you want to do. Do yeah. what you see and go and show us why you have got that little bit of X factor see, about yourself. I, it's interesting you say that because again, you know, like a, a, just just looking at it as a not involved in the game as a fan. You want to as say, I say it, as a fan? On. I always say. It. Frank tells me off for saying as a fan, but it's true. As a fan, you look at it, and I always looked at the raw talent coming through, Wayne Rooney's. Michael Owens, Theo Walcott, and they were frightening. And then it's almost like they got a bit of coach, a bit of like two or three years of playing in the big league. Then they'd start holding the ball up, laying it off, 
rather than turning and, and pinning their ears back and just going at the defence. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, let's just talk about Rooney there. Okay, so talk about Rooney. So Rooney was just the most... A beast. He's a beast. He, he was basically just a beast, right? And he was just the most... Um, I was going to say angry then but he's just a winner like he was a winner so like, all these players all these incredible players have all got a million different attributes yeah I still think one of the biggest attributes you can have is just to be a winner is I think doggedness it, doggedness just to yeah. always want to get on the end of anything always be willing to just stick your foot in and chase stuff down and you Tevez. know you might you might get hurt but I don't care I'm still going to do it right that that bit is as a manager if you see your players got that it's like oh my god you I can't will. teach that no though. you can't a lot of it's inbuilt for that for sure most of that is inbuilt but what actually. about it being coached almost out of them the, the kind of just the raw yeah well this is what I'm saying like the, the, you don't get very many raw players now playing in the Premier League it, it yeah, is coached yeah. it is coached and like I say you, only the very very top players is you can coach them to a point but then you say once you get to there this is where I need to see some magic and most of the time it's once you get into the box yeah most of the time what the coaches will say is if you've got the ball at your feet and you've just got into the box then it's up to you either drop a shoulder, beat your man, take a shot. You might see legs open, go for the legs, do. do what you do, but I'll leave that up to you. With with Rooney, it was like, it was right at the end of his career when he obviously, um, not right at the end, but when he went to the States, I remember this clip and that doggedness never leaves him. And remember, oh, he was playing, where was he playing? It was the one where he ran back from the clearance, and he tackled it. him. <laughs> and hit a diagonal. Hit like, a diagonal from about a- 60 yards onto the lads, like bought the goalie out. The goalie bought, like went for it like a fish, like, do you know what yeah. I mean? It was yeah. incredible. The striker got on the end, headed it in, and you just see Rooney knackered, but just sort of fling his arms World up as if to say, buzzing. That, yeah. that, exactly that. That is that Amazing. doggedness that I think they should show young kids nowadays and if they will watch that then you could say that that's just done that is probably one of England's best ever strikers. Yeah. He's in the twilight of his career. He's out in America. It probably doesn't matter anymore but he still has got that in him yeah. to go and do that. That for me it's is just... It's a pure drive and you never lose it. Yeah but oh. he, he strikes me as the kind of bloke that he could probably turn up at soccer I am in the car park doing all those things and he's like I want to win. Mate, it doesn't matter. Once the whistle goes, once the whistle goes, he's 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 good to go. He is good to go. But I still and I still think that Rooney never ever probably got the respect that he deserved on his name. Because if you if you go talking about world class strikers, like people never never ever fully really mentioned Rooney in the same breath. I I agree. I t- I saw Rio doing something recently on, and he said exactly that. Yeah. He's quite passionate about it and said. People don't Eyes give this man. guy the credit. Eyes he was man. people stood against. What he said was people stood um, next to him in the tunnel and were like in awe and fear of this guy. Mate, when he was on it, honestly, when he when like he, there were times in games where Sir Alex Ferguson used to have to sort of try and get near him or get next to him and go like, calm down. You have to calm down. <laughs> no way. Like he, he always used to say this thing. Um, Sir Alex Ferguson did it when we played against Everton. He always used to make a point of saying, "Don't get sent off." Do not get sent off because he knew Everton was his big game. Like he was going to get a load of abuse from the fans. He wanted to win. He wanted to score goals, and it would mean he would just—I mean—give extra. And Everton would be pressing his buttons as well. Exactly, you know? Of course, they would. They would be giving him dogs abuse. The players oh, yeah. would be niggling him, trying to get into him, trying to get him sent off. And it was always a thing of, "Do not get sent off. Calm yourself down. Do not get sent off." Incredible, incredible, that's amazing animal. What a what a player. Yeah, that's we've got we've gone tangent in there, but that's <laughs> good the though, best. Isn't it? That's the best. Go, going back to international. Um, yeah, every now and again you see Southgate watching a Premier League game watching the players 
do you think that adds pressure onto the players if they know Southgate's there, like being an Eng- like an English uh, footballer? Yeah, I think. Um, so if I he's going to watch James Ward-Prowse, for example. Yeah. yeah. So it depends who they're playing. Obviously, if Southampton are playing against Chelsea, there's a few players that you could be there watching. Yeah, if yeah. it's Southampton against Norwich, you know he's pretty much there for James Ward-Prowse. Um, but that is that is part and parcel of it. If you, if but, you, but you know, there still could be someone that's plays an incredible game that it's their moment to show it's Southgate, everybody's moment you know. I think well nowadays with the with how accessible English football is especially the Premier League every single game you play is as a chance to show and like prove yourself to somebody that might be watching somewhere that might need a right back or a left back that's defensive or a left back that's attacking or likes to come inside or different teams need different players to do different things yeah. so it's always a chance to do it but if you're somebody like <laughs> And say, like, take for example there, James Ward-Prowse. If he's coming to that game, that's part and parcel of it. You need to be able to rise to that occasion and just do what you normally do. So that when it comes to being an international game at Wembley in front of 80,000 people and the watching world's on the telly, you need to be able to just do it relentlessly. But it's differently, though. If if you've been in and around around the England setup, it's probably one thing and it's a bit of a water off a duck's back. But if you've not been capped, so... For example, when you were like breaking your way into the England team, did you ever know that an England coach was coming to watch you? Were you given a heads up? Are players told, like say an uncapped player saying, do you know what? Southgate's assist- Steve Holland's here to watch you today. Mate, the, the, it goes a lot further than Southgate, Steve Holland, and then every other one. There's, there's probably 50 of them. There'll, there? be, there'll be 50 of them that go to every single game up and down the country and will have to watch three or four players. So there's no, like nobody will slip under the radar. Nobody can slip under the radar. Everybody is being watched. Every single player is being watched by somebody from within that England camp. Like I say, there could be 50 scouts going on a Saturday to games, championship, league one, premiership, watching certain players. Like it, it, it's not just as simple as apparently this left back for Southampton is quite good. So Gareth, do you want to go and watch him and make <laughs> your mind up? Nah, there's yeah, been, yeah. the due diligence has already been done. It's amazing, isn't it? And then for for England, because the big debate in the summer was they were obviously got injured, Trent, didn't they? Trent Alexander-Arnold. And they were like, he's not going to go. And they were like, he's the best He's the best fullback in the world or whatever. You know, or he was being talked to and they were saying he's not going to go. And then there were people arguing. I think it was Gary Neville who we was saying, well, look at it. Look at the team set up. It's not that he's not good enough. It's just he's not right for the team. That's it. That's so, all it was. That's all it was. He so, just wasn't right for the so team. So players will be picked specifically because a big thing in the World Cups and the Euros in years gone by is they always like to take a kind of utility defender, don't they? It was like a, uh, I guess like a Phil Neville or someone that you know can slot in. A Kyle Walker, like now he'll kind of maybe win back. He'll play one, you know, one of the back. He can do anything. You know, one yeah. of the three at at the back. But um, they're valuable players to have, aren't they? Well, I think you know, just just looking at the performances and how well the team did, I think his decision was fully justified as well. Kyle Walker, basically. <sighs> Like any left back that came up against England in the Euros must have seen Kyle Walker at right back and thought, oh, for God's sake. There was one time, I I can't remember it was, the second or third game, it might have been Scotland or whatever, and the guy had 20 yards on Kyle Walker and Kyle Walker, it's almost like he he wanted to wait until it was 20 yards so he could show him (laughs) up even more. Yeah. And he still got back and he still bullied him and waitsed him off the ball and then just strolled back out with the ball again. It was incredible. And we were watching, like, 
we were watching every single game going, oh my God, how good is Kyle Walker? How fast is Kyle? How strong is Kyle Walker? Luke Shaw, the same, just came into his own, like went from being a decent left back to showcasing it on a world stage, just how good of a left back Luke Shaw is. It's incredible, isn't it? Carlos. Yeah, Shawberto Carlos. Boom. But how good was he yeah. in the Euros? Like, yeah. a guy, what a what a guy. I tell you what, it's just a memory that's popped back in my head from when we were kids. Is when did you get called, when did you start England? Did you say 05? Yeah, 05, 06, yeah. yeah. When was the Japan World Cup? That was before that. That was, uh, uh, that had uh, been 2000 and 2000 or two, 2002. Yeah, something like that, yeah. So three years before you were called up into the England team, you know where I'm going with this. Three, <laughs> Three years before we would be out in Leamington and a few of us would stay at my my mum's house. We'd be 19, 20 years old. Yeah. yeah and you were doing the Mackie D's run for the double sausage and eggers in the morning, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, we were. Yeah, because it was an early game. It kicked off at stupid o'clock on uh, so we'd go out. the time zones and stuff. So we'd go out the night before. I remember leaving <laughs> early doors to go and do a good old Mackie D breakfast run, double sausage and eggs. We was were it? all Hash asleep. We were fun. all asleep. Ben would like not drink as much as everyone else. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, right. Um, so Ben would, and then Ben had come back, like, and we're waking up, and he's done the Mackie D's run. Like, like a treasure he trove was like of a god. Like Mackie he was like a god. Wow. Oh my god! Yeah, it was incredible. The door would open; it would like I would glow with like, oh my god, you <laughs> hero, the saviour, saved the day. But then, yeah, that was yeah, good old memory that wasn't it. Yeah. Right, should we do a couple of quick fires uh, about going away with England? Yes, let's do it. So, do you get drivers? Yes. Yes, you do. Um, so basically what happens is, say, so it's like I say, most of the time the team will report to St. George's Park now. Um, the the club, the sorry, England will, the secretary lady will send you a message personally to say, where do you want picking up from on, say if you're meeting up on Sunday night, where do you want picking up from on Sunday? Um, and they'll know how long it'll take sort of thing. So they'll say, right, this car will pick you up at three o'clock, four o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Um and that's it. He will come pick you up. You've got all your bags, all your stuff, all your boots, everything like that because you'd have taken it from whatever team you play yeah. for. You'd make sure you've got enough gear, make sure you've packed your own bag, your laptop, your with whatever. The, with the luggage though, because everyone turns up with England luggage. So do they send it out to you prior to you going? No, you, no, you pick it up when you're there. So a lot of the time they're, they're, they've already just got it from the last trip. Yeah, so they'll have England luggage from the last trip. If it's your first time joining up, you're joining up in your own clothes with your own bags. Odd man out. Yeah, so you're like the odd man out. So here this, comes the new this kids. Is, this is this is this is one of the things of like where guaranteed they'll have sent a text saying, "What do I wear?" Like it's genuinely like that. Lovely. What do I so wear? So do you think anyone's been down to JD and bought himself an England polo shirt? <laughs> That's world class. If they <laughs> do you reckon? That. that is well. If somebody's ever done that, that is absolutely top class. Like fair play to them. But if any- most of the time, you're just joining up in your your jeans, your trainers, and a and like a hoodie or something. So if anyone in the comments has got a friend or anyone that's involved in the that's got any quirky little story like that that's belting that is absolutely belting no you just you'll join up in your jeans all that kind of stuff like I say the car will come pick you up then they take you straight to St George's and they basically drop you next to the kit room so they drop you next to the kit room you are straight in to see Pat Pat Frost who's a kit man legend of a bloke um, and he will basically take all your football equipment off of you he'll take your shin pad your boots if you're goalie your gloves anything like that you give it to him and he will sort all that stuff out Mm. there's times when you're away with England where you might even if you haven't brought any boots or something like that because they're all most of the lads are sponsored by Nike or Adidas or something like that you literally just say to Pat Pat I need another pair of boots mate and he's like 
he's got the Adidas guy on speed dial. He's got the night guy on speed yeah. dial. It's like he needs these boots tomorrow for training. They'll be there that night or the next morning. Or just add a couple of extra pairs. Yeah, but they do. They'll bring a couple pairs just in case. So, so let's just say you've just uh, got a call up for England. Does England have access to your club's data? Yes. Can they ask for that? Yes. And they have to give it? What, the- performance and perform, doc- you know, just like all, all your medical documents notes. and medicals and everything like that. For sure, this is this is where the club and, and England have to work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the the club are handing over what could be a hundred million pound talent to England. Because England after aren't going to do medicals for you and stuff. Like they just assume that your club has they done that. No, right? they do everything. They will literally do everything. So if you've so when you join up with England, assuming that you're fit, which is the only time really you will be joining up. So yeah, if you've got a little niggle, itself, yeah, sometimes it? if you've got a little niggle, you'll join up and they'll be like, no, you're best off just going back to your club because you're not going to be fit for the game anyway. So you're best off just getting fit for the next Premier League game. Cool, you'll go home. But when you join up, this is where the two have to work together. So, like I say, Liverpool might be handing over a hundred million pound player to England to look after for ten days. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you're if it's just a normal international break, they have to. At which point they have to say, right, this player does this on a Monday, this on a Tuesday. These are his loads. These are his heart rate values. Yeah, this yeah. is what he might get up to. This is how many kilometers he would normally run on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So they know to basically just not mirror it, but similar-ish so that they're always doing the same sort of thing. He might have just come off the back of a bad injury where he really needs to catch up on his fitness so they can say, right, guys, after training, can Trent Alexander-Arnold do some extra running because he's missed out on a bit of a block of running and he just needs to improve his fitness a little bit. This is where the two clubs talk. Yeah, cool. After training on Monday, Trent, you know you've got to do a bit of extra running. Yeah, not a problem. Boom. That's exactly how it works. So it's like a... It's like a big collaboration, isn't it? So yeah, when you think of England, be, yeah. it's all of the clubs coming together and actually... It doesn't always work out that way because you hear about the odd public feud in um, in the press, don't you, where the club doesn't want them to go. Yeah, of course. The yeah. country does. What's what's that dynamic like? That's um, I think this is where the player gets sort of caught in the middle a little bit, really, because it's, it's one of those where if you get caught up for England, again, it's that pride thing. Yes, I need to go and join up with my national team. You know for a fact that if you don't, you're going to get abuse for it. But you'll you'll do what you need to do. Like, if you have got a little niggle or a little injury... You go to England. The club will have already warned England and said, listen, he's been struggling with this. We, we we would prefer if he just rested for a week. He can just stay back at the training ground. He hasn't got to worry about driving here or there or everything. He's back at the training ground. We can keep an eye on him. He will hopefully get rid of this little niggle and he'll be fit for the next Premier League game and the future. Do you know what I mean? But we just need to nip it in the bud now. This is where when they go away with England somebody has to make a sensible decision. They have to look at the bigger picture, really. But it doesn't always work out Some, that way. Sometimes they get an injury, don't they? Yeah. Remember when Dean Ashton um, yeah. finished I, his career? I was on the pitch. I was on the pitch. We were training. It was a training so session. Explain to everybody about that. So we, we were training at um, Old Trafford before a uh, game for England. I can't remember who it was against. And it was maybe the day before or two days. It would have probably been the day before because you normally trained on the pitch the day before the game just to get a feel for your surroundings and stuff. And... Um, we were just doing our goalkeeping work. It was kind of still fairly early-ish on in the training session. We were doing our goalkeeper work and then all of a sudden you just heard this almighty scream and it was one of those where you think, oh, somebody's done yeah, something yeah. really bad. You don't you don't often hear it in football. It might be once a season or something, but when you hear that scream, you know somebody's hurt themselves because oh a lot of football, especially in training, they, they, they don't go screaming. They just sort of, they've hurt themselves, they'll stay down <clears throat> and then you'll find out later they've hurt themselves. But... 
you could hear this sort of like oh it's horrible sickening horrible and he's done something to his ankle really badly like we we didn't go over to have a look and all that kind of stuff but he's done something really bad and that was it that was basically the end of his Finished career his, it was such a shame because he was really on because he started at crew didn't he yeah. and he um really on the ascendancy yeah went to norwich was doing really really well west ham um i mean he scored what did he score bicycle kick again yeah he was you, a big was big it? tank mate he was a Player, big old strong it? lad and and he was just really starting to do a bit in football and this this like I say I think the why he's done it so bad is because he was a big lad so he's obviously landed a bit awkwardly on his ankle put his whole body weight through it oh poor lad but um yeah that was it that was the end of his career so um yeah massive shame that really but that was yeah, yeah never nice when you hear that scream and you just just you know you know somebody's done something really bad Mm, not good not good right okay just back to some quick fires um, you always stay in the best digs don't you with England um, yeah you do actually you do like I say St George's Park it's um, it's. I wouldn't say it's the best digs in the world but it's it's all you need for a football camp do you know what I mean it's literally focused around sport and being the best you can be there's not too many distractions um, can George's- you just call room service and say no, have a little mac and cheese you cannot up? call room service when you're away with England you go and have food when food is served and because that's again it's it's um it's that thing of knowing that England need to know that you're putting the right fuel into your body basically is it a buffet or off a menu no it's or? a buffet it's a buffet thing it's very similar to like if people watch the cycling GK it'll be a very similar layout to that where you have like all the veggie stuff all the salady stuff then you'll have all the hot plates of food different meats different like could be rice noodles whatever it is um, and then you have a bit of a pudding section um, I do have to say that the chef with England was always world class honestly he would always make it just a little bit tastier it was beautiful yeah. because like I said players know what they can and can't eat they're not going to go fill their bodies with absolute crap or anything like that saying that one time one thing <laughs> they do like to do is after a game if we're talking about after games that's when it's like a free for all like they will get pizzas in they could have burgers chips no matter what it is because it's basically it's a free hit you've just ran for 90 minutes yeah. you've burned probably two three thousand calories fuel your body lads and it's like like it's a problem if you're a goalkeeper i will not lie <laughs> well, it, watching all of that it's a problem no, well, no joining in oh, okay. <laughs> joining in when i know i haven't earned it that's the problem is because all this lovely foods there and i'm thinking oh my god i i, I can't help myself so you go and get involved and <laughs> you're munching away you're chuffing away um but i haven't done the running so then i, I have to pay for it the next day and do a bit so of extra work our training sessions hard with things i can imagine it's more light training with England no it'll be it'll be exactly it'll be exactly the same as what it is when you're with your football club really if if you join up on a Sunday and your game isn't till the Friday or Saturday Monday, Tuesday are going to be hard days. They will be hard days because you need to keep maintain that level of fitness. And then as you get closer to the game, you'll start to taper it down a little bit. So Wednesday will be a bit more chill. Thursday, Friday, you're just talking tactics and getting ready for the game. Right. Okay. So here's one for you. You're not going to give me an honest answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you ever meet up in each other's rooms and have a, a couple of cans of Fosters or something? No. <laughs> God, no. Heck no. Um, no. I don't that, believe you. No. That Amaretto. Is, that is not a dumb thing. Johnny no. Blue. No, definitely not. That is not a done thing. Um, what about you, after the end of a meet or something, or you've won a big game? Did they, have you ever been involved in a camp where we go? We're gonna have. We're gonna go out for a couple of beers. 
Is that ever? No, you you don't really do it in the middle of a camp. You can't. You're on international duty. You with it. You you're representing England when you're away with England. You cannot go to the pub and get seen having a pint. Can you imagine that? Though? Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine like sneaking people into the hotel rooms and stuff? No, like, they wouldn't do that. No chance. Don't believe no, it. How did Foden get away with it then? Who? <laughs> no, I don't know what you're about. Not getting involved in this. Alleg- not getting involved. Allegedly, I think Frank. What was it? Um, no, that's not a dumb thing. You players will play a lot of the time. Lads will just go to like the communal area and they're playing. In, like you say you got your playstation you have a dartboard pool table tennis all that kind of stuff you'll go there a lot of the time again it's, it's like most football clubs a lot of people will spend a lot of time in the medical room because that's always yeah, yeah. like that's where the hub is that's where people go and the kitchen as you call it yeah that you congregate you have a chat you get on well with the physios all the physios are like-minded people anyway so you always end up going there kind of thing so who's the um who's the biggest like sport billy in england like table tennis pool who's like the best at it all, or was it? Um, it was a, a competitive. Yeah, Joe Hart was very. He's a sport billy. He used to play cricket a lot. He was he was good at everything. Like I say, energy to do everything. So guaranteed, he he never sits still. So he's always trying to practice at these games, do these games. He was wicked, <laughs> honestly. He was wicked. And who was the best player you played with at England? In my whole England career. Yep. Poor. When I played for England, the best player with them was. Let me break this down. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Best goalkeeper. That I've played with uh, England. in England, yeah, with with the England setup, Joe Hart, defender, John Terry, midfield, Gerard, up for, up top, Rooney, Gerard. I, I played with. I was there with Scolzi and Gerard, but for England, Gerard was always the one for me. He was incredible with it. He was. He, do you know what he was like? Can, a racehorse, wasn't he? Can can we do that again, but with current team? Yeah. Goalkeeper? Current England team? Yeah. Pickford? Uh, defender? Slabhead. Slabhead. <laughs> I love Slabhead. Legend. He turns up for England every single yeah. time, doesn't he? You know, uh, he's, I love him for England. And I wouldn't want him to punch me. No, heck no. Or headbutt you. Definitely <laughs> 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 not. Midfield? Cool. Well, what, yeah, okay. That's a tough one. That's really tough. I don't know even if he's a midfielder or not. Raheem Sterling, I don't know if that counts. He's kind of a forward. You don't know these days, do you? No, I don't know. I, I, I love Calvin Phillips as well. I think Calvin Phillips is really good. I love Declan Rice actually as well. It's hard. I can't pick one. I think Calvin Phillips was my number one for uh, Calvin Euros. Phillips. We played yeah, against Leeds the other day and he's, he's a very Euros. good player, mate. Very good player. Fantastic, he's an animal. Yeah. He's always on it. He's always on it. Okay, up front. Obviously, Harry Kane. Harry Kane's Hazard. the man. I don't care if he's had a indifferent start to this season. He is incredible Who's, and he will rise to the top again. Who's yeah. your brightest prospect for the future? Phil Foden, for sure. Did you yeah. see him against the Liverpool the other day? Man City, for guys, anybody that hasn't watched this game yet, Man City played against Liverpool the other day. It was outrageous. The standard was phenomenal. The first time in history ever they've had a joint man of the match, which is... Oh, it's horrible. That is pathetic, isn't it? A joint man of the match. <laughs> yeah, you can't do it. A joint man of the match. Yeah. Come on. It's like not having a loser at sports exactly. day, isn't it? Exactly. For God's sake, it is what it is. Just give it to one person. You're not going to cry about it if they're not been given the man of the match. But yeah, Phil Foden is just... Um, I, I, he, he's showing everybody already what he can do and I think he's still got room to improve okay. as well. I'll put you on the spot a little bit with this one, but is there any player, uncapped player, that you think playing in the Premier League or yeah. players you would Love like that. to see involved? I don't, I don't. Has he got any caps, um, Harvey Barnes? I don't know if he's got any caps. 
Oh, I don't. Either way, so. I think he's got a massive future. I really do. I think he's lovely. He's built really well. He's strong lad. Him. He's a really strong lad. I think um, he's just got back into the Leicester team. He's showing what he can do, and I think he's he, he's going to be a proper player. Really nice player. Lovely. Like it. Like it. Frankie, have we got any more questions? <sighs> I think that's it. Can we talk about what goes on back at the football clubs when? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's your podcast, mate. You talk about okay, whatever you want. Let's talk about it. All right. So, like I say, it's international break now. Uh, we played our last game on Saturday. The last Premier League game gets played on the Sunday, right? So, what normally happens is, so I'll give you my working week, for example, okay? Played against Leeds on the Saturday. We had the Sunday off. We are in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Hard training. It is brutal. There's Double. only there's only 12 players. There's only 12 first team players is back. Is it more focused then? Because the other guys are gone. Yeah, it's, it's literally just like graft time. Fitness. You are working, yeah? You are, you are working. That's all there is to it. So it's hard, but there's only 12 of us, so you, the, the lads run their nuts off. But then we'll do a lot of like six-a-sides or five-a-sides, and then you'll rotate and stuff like that, which is a good laugh at least. You always do that to finish your sessions. Then we will have the weekend off, which is beautiful. This is what I'm talking about. It's a weekend off. And some clubs do it completely differently. Some clubs will give you four or five days off. So a lot of players would go away somewhere. You used to go away. We, we used to go away, or... whatever, somewhere warm. Yeah. You'd go away for four or five days, which for me is honestly the best feeling in the world, knowing you can get a bit of sun, just switch off from football. It is absolutely world-class. Um, but yeah, we've got weekend off and then we are back in on Monday because our game is next week against Liverpool. So that is what it's like at Watford. But like I say, other clubs are completely different. You could have given, get given four, five, six days off in the middle of it, which is oh, world-class, honestly. So what happens like, so if you go away, if you're a physio, a chef or something, and you go away with the England team, who like, is it just your, your deputies that pick up the slack? Back at the, at the club. club. Yeah. Yeah, basically they just, they know what it is and um, they just fill in. But like I say, most Premier League clubs will have the majority of their squad will go away on international duty. So there's less people around the training ground anyway. You know, if you're, if you're someone like Liverpool, literally every player is going away. So you're basically just working with the injured players, injured players, the um, reserve team players. That's it. So like even now at Watford, we, we're having to call in four or five youth team players or reserve team players mm. just to make the numbers up so that the training sessions can flow and work properly. So with, with certain players that are flying to South America, Africa, um, they must come back absolutely knackered. Yeah, this is this is a bit for me that like I don't know why they put the games on so late. So sometimes like these these players that play for some teams in Africa for example they might only have two games but what they'll do is they'll play them on Saturday night or Sunday night and then the following Thursday so by the time they get back to the club it's like basically Friday night the night before the Premier League starts again whereas why, why don't they just play the first game on like a the Wednesday after the Premier League game mm. and then on a Saturday or Sunday. Do you know what I mean? It gives everybody a lot more time to get back into the country, yeah. especially now with all this, uh, the COVID stuff like that, where you need to sort of isolate and stuff for five days and stuff. But yeah, it's mad. Like I say, we, we, we lost against Leeds on Saturday and a lot of the interviews I did after the game were, well, you know, at least you've got two weeks now to, you know, refresh and work together to put things right for the Liverpool game next Saturday. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. But not that's, at all. that's a load of bollocks, isn't it? Is that just people not showing common sense reporters is it exactly it's, it's, a, it's yes it's complete rubbish because 
all the team are away. The whole team are away. Yeah. We, we don't get to see them until next like Wednesday, Thursday, in which case they're all knackered anyway. So you, it's not like you get a chance to get back on the training pitch and go, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, no, it's, 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 a complete, it's a complete myth that they think the international break is a chance to refresh and rewind and get stuff ready for the next game. Very good. Very good, I think. Love it. Are we good, Frank? Have yeah. we asked all of our dorky questions? I feel like I know a bit more about international break. Do you know what? Good. Well, that was the objective. You, that was the objective of the pod today. Guys, if you're watching this on YouTube, please do not forget to subscribe. Go and hit that red button. We need as many of you subscribing to our channel as is possible. We would like to get a 100k plaque for the Fozcast YouTube channel. Oh, that would and be And when banging. we do, we're going to do... It's going to sit here as well. And we're going to do a naughty giveaway. What, like what? I don't know, but we're going to do a naughty giveaway. We'll sort something anyway. We'll do a lovely, lovely giveaway for 100k. And also on Spotify, please go and follow us over on Spotify. We're enjoying doing these pods, haven't we? Love it. We've got some some belting guests lined up. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. From Frank and Tom. (laughs) (laughs) He's just pointed at, yeah, it's all right. See you soon. See you later. Up the Fozcast. Up the Fozcast. Up the Fozcast. Cheers. Come on, the boys. (laughs) 